I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. There's a big man alert from the Washington Football Talk podcast. It's Mitch Tischler. How you doing, big fella? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Not exactly the results we were hoping for yesterday. The four-game win streak comes to an end with a 2015 loss to Seattle. Some good things to take, some bad things to take. Let's start with the quarterback. What do you think? I thought he uh, played poorly in the first half, which I think was pretty obvious. He had a really bad uh, interception. Um, but I think we saw a lot from Dwayne, the same that we've seen from Alex all year, a poor start uh, in the first half, and they were able to come back in the second half and, and play better. Uh, you need Dwayne, you need the quarterback position to play better, period, across the board. It's been an issue, particularly in the first half all year. But, I mean, the way Dwayne bounced back and played in that fourth quarter, I mean, he led him on three scoring drives, and he put him in a position where had Dustin Hopkins made his extra point earlier in the game that they would have kicked, had an opportunity to kick a game-tying field goal. The game probably would have gone to overtime, and, and we would have seen what would have happened then. Um, so I take away – I look at the positive side of things generally. I mean, they don't call me bullish for nothing, but I like the way Dwayne played in the fourth quarter, and I think that it can give you some hope that – if he's forced into action against Carolina, against uh, Philly, or, or or in a potential playoff game, that uh, he might be able to he might be able to lead this team to victory. It was odd because the week before, uh, Ron had mentioned that if uh, they needed eleven to come back in the game, he could have done so. Seems like that might have been coach speak, uh, because we're not even sure that he'll be ready for next week. So I I'd, I'd ask. Is it more important to have Alex Smith back next week, or is it more important to have Antonio Gibson back next week? That's an interesting question. I think I think Alex Smith is more important because right now I think even if the statistics don't don't bet out the rest of the season, I think that just the confidence that he installs in that offense and, and honestly the team overall, I think matters more than than anything else. JD McKissick has done a really good job, you know, filling in. He had I think 57 yards rushing yesterday and, and he's been a little bit of a slasher. He's been a little bit better out of the backfield than I think we expected. Um, the team signing Lamar Miller off the bears practice squad. He'll be able to be at practice this week and be active this weekend leads me to believe that Antonio Gibson might be a little bit further away than, than we think. But honestly, both of those weapons on offense are the guys that you need to move, to make this team move. And, And if you really want a chance to do something, uh, come playoff time, they're going to need both Alex uh, and Antonio back there uh, to help move the ball. Logan Thomas, first time over 100 yards. He's been incredible. The uh, improvement he's made this season, nothing short of astonishing. I, mean, I can't really remember the last time I saw such a – I didn't, put it like this. I didn't see where he's ended up from where he started. Put it like that. Yeah, I think he's been a little bit of a surprise for everybody. There was uh, some success during during training camp that we that we talked about, and you know, uh, Dwayne was doing a good job, and Kyle Allen were doing a good job of hitting him down some seam routes and some out routes. And as we watched it, I was a little bit not sure whether that was good tight end play or poor safety slash linebacker play. This is talking about training camp. Um, and when he came out early in the season and, and was largely uh, ineffective, and, and then you saw what we got out of Troy Apke when he was on the field, I think you got a little bit of a feeling that maybe, you know, Logan isn't going to be that that tight end that you can rely on, especially if we're going to look beyond 2020. But, man, has he made a big turnaround, and he's been a difference maker 
for this offense. And, and he had 13 catches uh, yesterday, a Sunday against um, against the Seahawks, one shy of the franchise record, which was Roy Hallou a few years ago. I mean, Dwayne had his guy, and Dwayne was was looking his way. And and when he was uh, in a spot and had to get rid of the ball, Logan was his was his bailout. And I think it's it's great to see. And 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 Logan certainly is cementing himself as a member as a productive member of this offense beyond just 2020. I mean, give me Logan next year, and I'm I'm happy if you can pair him with a uh, you know a Jordan Reed esque a, a super athletic tight end hybrid guy, and you can go you can see Scott Turner run some of those two tight end offenses that that he likes to run, and and get those guys out there and, and it's exciting to think uh, what they might be able to do on uh, this offense. They asked uh, Dwayne to be in passing plays 63 times. I think I saw to 17 runs. Not exactly sure that that was Scott Turner's best idea for getting a young guy who hadn't had a whole lot of opportunities into the game plan. Your thoughts on that? I think it was a little bit more of the way the game played out. You know, they were able to keep it pretty close in the first quarter, honestly, in the first half altogether. And Dwayne not throwing that bad pick um, in the first in the first half, then I think they would have been able to stick with the run a little bit more. But they also didn't – I don't think they wanted to grind down J.D. McKissick and, and Peyton Barber – or J.D. McKissick that much. And Peyton Barber wasn't particularly effective. I think he had five yards rushing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we saw a lot when Alex was at quarterback, and I think this is – kind of a Scott Turner thing that the short passing game is just an extension of the run game. So those passing numbers look pretty high, but I think when you look at, you know, some, a lot of those passes to Logan Thomas were two, three yard outs, you know, quick little, uh, quick little hits. And, and, and those are our passing plays, but they're really an extension of the run game. And, and to me, I, I kind of, you know, don't get caught up in the, in the actual percentages of pass versus run because they have the same effect on the defense in terms of, sucking up linebackers, sucking up safeties, having guys playing close to the line of scrimmage. So hopefully you're able to hit some of those deep balls like they did to uh, Terry McLaurin on the outside, on, on the right end side, on the right hash. And they had a ball to J.D. McKissick down the left side that Dwayne made a good throw and McKissick would have had to make a great catch for it. But had Dwayne made a very good throw, it could have been a touchdown play. So I think that, that, that the percent the breakdown of pass run doesn't bother me as much when you look at what a lot of those pass plays were. Uh should Morgan Moses have been in on that last sack? No. no. I mean, I'm, I'm as big a Morgan Moses supporter as there is because that guy has been nothing but a star for this offensive line, not just on the field, but also in the locker room and playing left side, playing the right side, doing everything that's being asked of him. Clearly he wasn't right on that last, certainly the second to last play of the game. You could tell that he wasn't right. He got bull rushed and just got knocked over and, and, you know, for all the jokes about all the penalties that Morgan takes over the years or whatever, he's been a pretty staunch uh, pass blocker, you know, since he's come to DC and, and clearly he's a better player than he showed there. And it's tough because you're a veteran and, and he wants to be there for his guys and he wants to be, he's the man on the offensive line and he wants to be the man. So, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, especially athletes have that competitive mentality, but I think when you see what the, what the results were, I think he probably, probably shouldn't have been, probably shouldn't have been out there. And to his credit, he's been fantastic this year. I mean, bounce back. I mean, much better than – I mean, to your point, the penalties sometimes get people frustrated and thought he didn't have a great season last year. Whatever you thought about last year, he's been great this year. That's Coach's decision on on letting him back in the game or you think that's a yeah. guy that put his helmet on there and just ran out there before anybody could tell him not to? I think it's both. I think when a veteran comes to you and says, I'm good to play – 
you know, to a coach, a veteran comes to you and says, hey, my, my knee, my ankle, whatever it was, is good. I can be out there. Coaches don't think twice. You know, you trust a guy like Morgan to know his body well enough and, you know, to, to think that he's, you know, good enough to go. You send him back out there. Ron has not had a problem moving on from guys this year. He's shown that. He's been right more than he's not. He refuses to move on from Dustin Hopkins. That An extra missed extra point is tough. I get it. But, boy, that thing really puts you in a bad spot. Um, curious your thoughts on replacing a kicker. Does it actually do you any good? Uh, just it's odd, it's odd that he's 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 not had a problem sticking with Dustin. Not even thought about bringing in competition. Yeah, it's tough with Dustin. I mean, prior to the Seahawks game, the past five games, he was the highest scoring kicker in the NFL. So he had had a good little run there. The, that missed extra point was enormous. And I guess you know, I don't want to say that the Seahawks game didn't matter because obviously every game matters. But at the end of the day, the Giants also lost. The Eagles lost. You know, they still have every, they still control their own destiny in the division, but come playoffs, you can't be missing, you can't be missing those kicks, but Dustin has been such a big part of this team for a while. And, and he, he's, he's got such a strong leg. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think, I know he's been dealing with an injury most of the season. You know, you hope that that's what the issue is. I, I don't really have an answer for that. I, I think it's tough. I don't think at week 15 or 16, you can move on from him. I think he's here for the year. And I think, especially with, I think because of the COVID situation, it's tough to bring in kickers for competition on a Tuesday or something or along those lines. So I think in a regular season, they might've brought somebody in earlier in the year for competition and seeing if maybe that was a better fit, but with the COVID protocols, the way they are, that makes it super tough to do. I think he's the kicker for this year. And I think that's something that they're certainly going to evaluate in the off season and, and figure out whether he's the right guy moving forward. It's incredible how good Terry McLaurin is that when he can't, when he misses a 50-50 ball, we're all very, ah, oh, I can't believe it. But um, he's been incredible no matter who throws the ball to him. It's really a testament to his work habits, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I always go back to uh, the years with uh, Kirk at quarterback here in D.C. And he would put up a lot of these gaudy numbers. And his, percentage, his completion percentage was super high, but he never gave receivers 50-50 balls downfield. He would only throw the ball downfield when he had a guy wide open. And there was so much frustration with that. And who knows with some of the other guys, you know, Josh Doxson and, and others, how things would have turned out if maybe they had a few other opportunities catching those 50-50 balls and got a little confidence, you know, moving that direction. There's no question with Terry McLaurin. I mean, Terry has confidence in all those 50-50 balls, but he gives the quarterback's confidence to throw the ball downfield. And that's a huge thing for this, for this offense. I mean, even when Alex was in there, there was all this talk about check down Charlie and all he does is throw to the running backs and the tight ends and this and that. But having Terry out there opens up the, the, the depth of the de that the defense has to play by, by moving back on him and having to, to control him. And, and I've been yelling about it since week one. Anytime you see Terry in one-on-one -on -one coverage, I don't care what the route is that's called, the ball needs to go to him. If it's a passing play, the ball's got to go to Terry. Whether it's a slant, a curl, a go, whatever you want to call it, if he's in one-on-one -on -one coverage, you got to throw him the ball because he's the best player on the football field most times. There's no doubt about it. I was thinking back to when you and I had talked before the season started. Uh, we had mixed feelings on Darby. He's been incredible. I mean, they're going to have to give him another contract, right? Yeah. I mean, the corner play in general has been much better than expected. And honestly, since they got rid of 
Troy Epke and, and Landon Collins got hurt, the secondary play overall has been exceptional compared to what we expected. I mean, Cam Curl stepped in and, and played well, and, and uh, it's, been, it's been impressive to see. I, Darby's biggest issue before coming here was staying healthy, was, was injuries, and he's been able to stay healthy, and, and he's, he's balled out out there on the outside. Jeremy Reeves and Cam Curl stepped right in. It's really amazing. The team is so well coached. No, we talked about that briefly a couple of minutes ago, but I mean, just really amazing at how well they've been able to get the young guys in and acclimated. I mean, Kaliki Hudson played a ton yesterday, and you'd have never known that he really hadn't played any major minutes on the field. Yeah, I mean, this coaching staff did a great job, not just in getting the young guys up and ready to play. And, and I give the front office, you know, uh, uh, a on the draft grades, just because they keep bringing in guys in mid to late rounds who make a difference. Antonio Gibson and, and Cam Curl, especially, but also a guy like James Smith Williams, who's been, you know, a special teams, you know, show off. He's been, he's a, he's a dream for a special teams coach because he's got that big body and he's fast and able to move. And he's even started to get some reps in, with the defensive line as they've been moving. They've done a really good job of not just drafting guys, but but bringing them in and putting them in positions to win. And I give Ron a lot of credit for that because that's what he talked about is, you know, getting guys, getting guys you know, look, changing the culture and getting guys to learn how to win and, and learning how to win is playing well in the field and, and they're getting opportunities and they're, and they're showing out. Yeah. The NC state folks said that the, problem with smith williams was not smith williams he's the hype speed weight guy that you want it's he couldn't stay healthy the last year and a half um so yeah i, I know the team was excited about having it seems like it's been a while since we've had a group here that was so easy to root for this seems like a team that is easy to root for uh i'm not exactly sure why maybe it's just the attitude chase young has brought but they feel like it's an easy team to root for have you felt that yeah i think it's Two things. I think it's an easy team to root for. I think for the most part, you know, you can see the guys having fun out there winning, you know, helps all that a lot as we've, as we've seen over the years. I think the other part of it is it's just, you can see that I think in the past couple of playoff runs that the team has had, if you go back to 2016, the Kirk uh, cousins contract was, you know, hanging over everyone's head in 2012, it was all dependent on Robert Griffin. The third this year, you're seeing guys at almost every different position, contributing and guys who are on rookie contracts and are going to be here for the next two, three, four, five years. And so I think that, that as you're watching this team, you know, whatever happens this year, as far as the playoffs go or whatever else, you're seeing a team that's growing and is being built the way the teams need to be built to win in the NFL now. And, and I think that's exciting for fans. And I think it's, it's something that you can really get behind because, you know, fans have, you know, jump back and forth with what, to, what player's Jersey do I get? Who do I get on this team? Who can I root for? And now you got a couple guys. You got Terry McLaurin, you got Antonio Gibson, you got Chase Young, you got Montez Sweat. I mean, there are superstars on both sides of the ball who are on rookie contracts here for a few more years, and, and that's exciting. To your point, when was the last time that Washington had several players that other teams would actually covet? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been it's been some time. I mean, I think you'd have to go back to the to Sean Jackson, Pierre Garcon, Kirk Cousins teams, and even that is you know maybe a little dubious as, as far as we go, but I think it's also the balance of having it on both sides of the ball for, for years. There was the defense was good. The offense was terrible. Then the offense was good, but the defense was terrible. Now you got a little bit of both, of both going right now. And, and it's uh, it's exciting. And, and, and you're really seeing what Ron 
early on, you're seeing what Ron Rivera is trying to build, build here in D.C.? The secondary was fantastic yesterday. I think they held their two receivers to 77 yards combined, which is – I'm not sure that it's been done for those two yet this season. Uh, running game was the problem for Washington. They were short on linebackers. You think that's what the reason was there? Um, yes, I think certainly having um, – uh, certainly having their full slate of linebackers would have helped a lot. I think when you look at an offensive juggernaut like the Seahawks, you somewhat pick and choose what you're going to stop because you're probably not going to be able to stop the entire team. And I think that you look at the overall picture and the Seahawks scored 20 points. Okay. You know, that's not a particularly big showing. Russ Wilson only threw for a buck 20 or so. I mean, if they're going to gouge you on the ground and, and, you're able to keep the game close that way. I don't think it's the the worst thing in the world, but I think that they certainly learned something from it. I mean, that you look at, you know, the potential of having to play them again in three weeks at FedEx field. Again, you might not want to show too much on defense, too many exotic looks, too many blitzes, too many different things, because you know that you might have to see them again. And, and I think that on both sides of the ball, I think you saw that the, the Seahawks didn't come in with a particularly exotic game plan on offense. And I think they saw the same thing with uh, with Washington's defense. I think it was a little bit of a cat and mouse game between Pete Carroll and, and Ron Rivera there. Is Trading Places or Edward Scissorhands Christmas movies? Trading Places is absolutely a Christmas movie. And Edward a top five movie, period. What's that? And a top five movie, period. It's spectacular. I love that movie so much. <laughs> um. Edward Scissorhands, yeah. You know what? I, I have a broad, I have a broad lane for Christmas movies. If it if it happens anytime in December, if it has anything to do with the holidays, I usher all that together as one as Christmas as a Christmas movie. And do you have any uh, plans for the holidays? You traveling? Washington's got a game on on Sunday uh, for for the actual um, for the actual holidays. My uh, family lives rather close. We'll we'll probably uh, get together and and have dinner. Or, or hang out a little bit and, and celebrate that way. What uh, What is the go-to for Christmas dinner? Um, I'm a turkey man. I know this is such a big argument, especially around Thanksgiving, but I'm a turkey man. So I, I go with, I go with turkey. Uh, I'm sure we all had expected before the season started that we'd be right here heading to Carolina for a uh, division win. But yet here we are. What's the, uh, what we got to do to get this one this weekend, Mitch? I think they got to play their game. I mean, I think they need to find a way to, I think it's not just about winning this week, but also starting to build towards that playoff game and the potential playoff game in, in three weeks. I think they got to find a way to where in week, it's going to be week 16 of the season. They got to find a way to come out and play better in the first half and, and get the offense moving earlier. I think that the defense is, is what it is and, and we know how dominant they can be, but you're just not going to be able to rely on them for, two scores a game to, to, to win a game like they did against San Francisco. So it's going to be about building and trying to trying to get that offense moving quicker and score some more points and, and not play from that double digit deficit that they've done so many times this year. Mitch, thank you for always being so generous with your time. I know you've got a meeting to run to. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas and all that. And thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so hard for me to get to.
All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Catch you later.